Thanks for tuning in to the Catch Podcast. Brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle. The best American small business baits you've never heard of. Stocked in a monthly box. Use promo code the Catch 5 off and save $5 off your first monthly subscription to the Weekend Warrior Box. Here are your hosts, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. Welcome back to another week on the Catch Podcast. Brad, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? The MLB playoffs have started. Who do you got winning the World Series? Uh, I was just talking to a buddy about this today. I I really – well, let me – before I say anything, let me, let me check something. So, uh, yeah. So, the Twins haven't won a postseason game in like I know. 14 years. They won today. That's why I'm going to say I want the twin. I, I I just got a feeling that the twins are going to make their run. Uh, is that probably going to happen? No, but <laughs> it would be cool if it did. Um, but I mean, as long as somebody beats the Orioles, I don't care. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's hard to not pick the Braves because they're just on fire all year. Yeah, I mean, I can see the Braves. Here's here's how I look at it. As long as the Astros don't win, I really don't care who wins. Yeah. Like, I'm just watching baseball at this point. I'm a Yankees fan. We finished second in our division because we poo-poo. For whatever reason, uh, the checkbook couldn't win us some uh, wins this year, get us some games. So, um, so, yeah, as long as the Astros don't win, I really don't want the Orioles to win either. Yeah. I don't know why. Dude, the Astros are going to end up winning and – all of America is going to be pissed. Yeah, they're going to win because they're cheat again. <laughs> cheaters. That's all they are, cheaters. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm just glad the Reds aren't in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah, me too. I love that. <laughs> Stacy, my me wife's too. a Reds fan, even though she doesn't really care about baseball, but she's a Reds fan, so I love when the Reds and the Bengals lose. So Sunday was a little bit better for me because the Bengals lost, even though the Browns got super pooed on. Yeah. Uh, and I lost fantasy this week. It's been a great week so far, man. It's been yeah, awesome. I, Steelers lost, and I lost fantasy too, so don't feel too bad. Yeah, which I'm, I'm still 2-2, two and two, so it is what it is. I don't really care. The Browns are still 2-2. Two and two. Everybody else, the normal Browns fans are starting to come out and be like, oh, we suck. It's another year. We're 2-2. Two and two. We could literally lose two more games and still make the playoffs. So, like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, who cares? Just it's it early in the season. So. Yeah, Deshaun wasn't playing. His shoulder was bruised. Najoku like got in a headbutting contest with a fire. So <laughs> you know, and we found out that you know uh, uh, DTR can't play the position of quarterback in the National Football League. So yeah. it's it's all good. Yeah. Well, Kenny Pickett still can't throw the ball, and he got hurt. So. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, "Is it bad that I don't care?" <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be like a, a jerk. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But at the same time, ah, uh, it's not like you're losing that much. Yeah, that's what I said. But... Yeah. Oh, well. So, um, um, we we got a uh, another review on Apple Podcasts. So I'm going to read that off. This awesome. is from NC Bastard, and the uh, subject says "Case of the Mondays?" Question mark. This podcast is awesome. Glad Brad and Matt decided to strike out on their own and create the show. These these are these two are the greatest dudes. I met Matt and Brad in real life before, and they are really like this all the time. No fake news here. Love all the info. Love the gear talk. Love the guest selection. The catch podcast is on the regular rotation in my truck and headphones. Keep going, guys. You're killing it. Who who is that? Somebody named NC Bastard. I want to know. Who left this message? If so, when you hear this, send me a message. I want to know who wrote this. Yeah, because if you met us, met. if you met us in real life, man, you just lied because we're like mean. <laughs> we're not good people. Maybe that's just around like each other. I don't know. I don't know. I I just feel like I don't know. Everyone always tells me they're like, oh yeah, like customers at the retail store because they get retail store mat, and it's like. Oh, you were so nice and you helped us so much. I was like, yeah, if you knew what I was saying in my head. <laughs> I couldn't I'm do not, your job. I, uh, I, hate, I hate dealing with people like that. 
I do too, but at the same time, just a certain there's just certain there's certain people, and it's not even certain people, it's just certain days. Yeah. Like there's days to where like Monday, I went in there, was really good for about an hour, and then no one else could do their job of the people that I'm not in charge of, and they expected me to have the solutions to fix it. So everyone the rest of the day, I was just not a nice person to. It just is what it is. It's just a bad day. Uh, in retail, it happens more often than not. But I mean, I've been in retail. I've been in retail since I was 14 years old. So I'm yeah. not. I mean, I'm. I'm. Best buy days, man. Dude, the best buy days are where is that? Because I didn't care about anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, it was money. I'm trying to get my camera to where it's not like looks like I'm a zombie. Yeah. Well, it's all good. But uh, I don't think I have anything else to start off the show. Uh, when this airs, the Dark Horse boxes have shipped. So that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you guys, about probably, say. you guys are probably opening them or just about to open them when you're listening to this podcast. So, yeah. Yep. So this that month's box when you're opening them that is designed by me and Brad as the catch takeover box. Um, we'll also have some other media and stuff coming out with the Dark Horse boys here shortly. Yep. And Brad, I finally went uh, went through the video. Well, I'm started to go through the video of the 20 inch. So you should have that footage here soon. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to put that video up. It's getting priority. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, get pumped up. But all right, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. All right, cool. Well, uh, like I said, we uh, did a collaboration with Dark Horse Tackle. Well, we got to pick one of the baits for this box and. Uh, we got to pick it's, every bait in this box. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the bait that we're talking about this episode. All right. one, one of the baits in the box we're talking about today uh, is a new spinner bait from Martin's Custom Baits. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the design of that, what makes it different, how you fish it, all that other kind of stuff. So we brought in the man who helped design the baits with Steve Martin, Jonathan Kelly, Bassmaster Elite. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Heck yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on. You want to start off by letting people know, like, who John, who is John Kelly? All right. So I fished the Elite Series. Uh, going to be going on my third season on the Elite Series after we requalifying this past uh, August. So kind of getting things prepped now. We're in that off season. No tournaments going on. Still fishing a little bit on the side. But, you know, getting ready, trying to get everything together. You know, there's a lot that goes into it kind of behind the scenes other than just showing up to a tournament on the scheduled tournament day and making a couple casts, trying to put some fish in the boat. So trying to get everything together. And like you guys just mentioned, in the meantime, we also were working on a spinnerbait that's coming out very, very soon. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I played a big role in designing it and kind of getting it right to that perfect place where it is now the final product, which will be coming out very, very shortly. And I actually got to take it to the water last week, caught a lot of fish on it, had a really good time, really exciting, got some footage, which is going to be available as well once it releases and whatnot. That's cool. That's a perfect time to throw the spinnerbait too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. It was fun. Was that, was that planned to release it in the fall? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the timing of it, so it kind of, I kind of brought it up earlier in the spring based off where we were fishing, uh, throughout the course of the season, the, we were at some lakes where I was like, man, we, I'm using a spinnerbait, I'm utilizing spinnerbait, but I need something just a little bit better for a certain scenario. So that's where the idea kind of came up trying to build a spinnerbait based off ones that we already had just to make one better for a certain application. And that's what we kind of shot for with the knee knocker, which is going to be the name of the spinnerbait that's coming out has its purpose. It's very specific for certain types of fishing. We'll get into that more on this, but basically it was trying to figure out the perfect build to utilize it in a certain scenario. And that's what we knocked out of the park. You know, I had the opportunity to test it and it's definitely exactly the way I wanted it from the very top to the bottom. Sweet. Um, yeah, it looks awesome. I would say we've already got we got some uh some looks at it. It looks sick. Me and Brad were actually talking about it earlier today. Yep. Uh yeah, before we get into all that, let's talk like Bassmaster stuff. I know me and Matt talked about this about a month and a half ago. So what I'm trying to think how to word it. Like, so when you're fishing trying to qualify for the next year for an elite like what does that what are the 
qualifications for that? What do you got to do to stay in the elites? Uh, so it, it is, there's a lot of little things that kind of go into it, but to make it simple and easy, if you finish top 70, you're automatically safe no matter what. So if you are 71 to whatever the end is, and like that can change a couple of times year to year, whether it's 95 guys, 100, 105, so-and-so, but it's always going to be around a hundred. So 71 to that last spot, those guys are kind of in the elimination pool, we'll call it. And based off what's going to be coming in, which is 10, nine guys from the opens, and I think one nation, they got to get rid of 10. So those guys that are in that bottom section are going to get kicked out based off of overall total uh, average. So if you've been there for two years, you're average of two years, four years, average of four years, five years, average of five years. So there is a little bit of an advantage for, say, a little bit older of an angler because they might have been there for a longer time and once you get to i think it's your fifth year you get to drop your worst year so that's huge that mm. that right there is huge right away if you oh, yeah. as a rookie have a tough year you got to get to that fifth year to kind of make that disappear mm-hmm. a lot of guys who've been doing it for 15 years if their worst year was that long ago it's gone like it don't even exist anymore in a sense of requalifying that's interesting i guess mm-hmm. so is it average of like uh finishes is an average fish caught average aoy so like if i finish 80th one year 40th another my total average would be about 60. gotcha mm. gotcha i mean that's a that's a, out of everything in any other sport that's like the fairest way to do it because it's a hundred percent up on you at least yeah. how, how i think about it i mean if you if you sometimes we we just talk about this in the backstage how frustrations happen sometimes you just go out and you have a bad day but I mean, if you just string a whole bad year and then you string another bad year and another bad year, and then you somehow made it three years, but your average low, I mean, it's not like it's anyone else's fault. You know yeah, what I mean? So. Exactly. So yeah, if you can just be consistent and, you know, have com- good tournaments where you'd stay in that top 70, you're automatically going to be safe. That's cool. Yeah. I, I know, uh, uh, Matty Wong, man, he he was on the mm-hmm. brink of getting kicked out this year. And then he, he yeah. went on that tear on the Northern Swing. Yeah, I mean, it. I know firsthand probably almost more than anyone how tight it was just being buddies with him and whatnot. And he made up so much ground in certain tournaments on like days one, like at Champlain. He had a really good, really strong day one and two. And it was like, oh, my gosh, he just made up so many points. And all of a sudden, day three, it was a tough day on him. And he Mm -hmm. went from being, I think, in the top 10 to falling on that third day. And that's huge because – you know, you think it's great. You make the third day, but when you don't realize, what you don't realize is how much those points can be valuable. If you're in the top ten, or even if you're twentieth on the third day, uh, going into the third day, and you fall to fortieth, you lost twenty points. So then you go to the next tournament, and you're like, you realize what those twenty points would have done for you, and it could be humongous. And that kind of was a situation for him. He fell at that Champlain tournament. They needed he. Well, he honestly didn't think he was going to make it after that. He said, "I'm done." I said, "You're going to make it." just go make a top 10 at the St. Lawrence river and you're going to have a chance. I said, you can't dictate exactly where you need to finish. You don't know. Cause it's based on yeah. my results, based on other guys' results. You just don't know where you're going to fall. I said, go to St. Lawrence, shoot for a top 10 and you're going to put yourself in a situation to make it. So after the second day, based off of all the numbers, I think he needed to finish 14th or better. So you knew what he had to go out and do on day three. He went out and made the top 10. So he was automatically in and, He's able to take a breath. I seen it uh, after the, <laughs> during the day three weigh in. I think about uh, halfway through. Once we, we were standing to the side, kind of counting all the guys that could have jumped them that were lower, that could you know kind of push them out. And once like five in a row that I knew could have jumped them and they didn't, I was like, "You're in!" Like it, it, it for sure, hundred percent. And yeah. he was. It, they kind of made it tougher too, right? Because to requalify, you got to fish all ten opens now, don't you? All nine of them. Yep. Yeah, it's just nine of them. So, yes, I, could it be tougher? Yes, it's definitely going to be more travel, more expense, more time away. I don't know if it's truly tougher, and I, I might take hate for that or not. I don't know. When it was three, you basically had to have three perfect tournaments to make it because you had to finish in the top three. Now, to make the top nine, you don't need to have nine perfect tournaments. You got to head to yeah. all. You can't bomb, but you no longer have to almost be perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in order to make it in 
when it's three, you're going to have to finish about 25th and better in every single one. Okay. That's- yeah, I will say you have a lot more room. Like you said, you can't go out and bomb, but you have a lot more room for error in the yeah. nine. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you're right. There's the expenses, time away from family, the traveling. It's going to beat you up like physically a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, having those nine tournaments, it's got to be like kind of a weight lifted. Because when it was three, I know I watched a, an interview a couple of years ago. Some guy was talking. He's like, yeah, I didn't make it. I had to go out and have three immaculate. Three. It basically, you need six I mean, perfect days on the water. You need yeah. six perfect day ones and day twos. If you make it to day three, that's a bonus. But if you don't, if you had a perfect day one and day two, it was probably good enough for you to make it in the end. Yeah. Yeah, but it was just so much stress. And you can tell the guys, they're, they're stressed. A lot of the – I mean, I, I can't imagine what it would be like because obviously, you know, you're – how I look at it, and I might take Kate for this, but I really don't care because it's true. The elites are – the elites, I mean, that's the – if we were talking about football and everything, that's your professional – it's all professional fishing. I don't want to take away from that at all. Even we bring Brad fish out of kayaks. There's professional kayak fishermen. I'm not taking away from that at all. But when you're like your premier professionals, that's the elite series. Mm-hmm. It just it just is what it is. So to to drop out of that and then have to go out and be perfect three times to just get back to that going against competition that could go into it because they're just mm-hmm. as good. I mean that happens all the time. So yeah, I mean that stress is insane. I'm kind of happy they moved it to three just to give guys, I don't know, a better chance maybe not chance but not as stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I want to word that, but yeah, yeah. Well. You, you've you've been pretty consistent though, right? Yeah, this past year I was very consistent. Uh, just trying to—that was my goal going into the year. First year was a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. The adjustment—it's uh, still catching fish. Bottom line, like we're still we still got to go out there and catch fish. Like, yeah, you're fishing against other names and stuff, but I mean, if you go out there and you don't catch them, you're not doing your job. Like, you mm-hmm. have to catch mm-hmm. the fish first, and then if you get beat by a certain guy and a certain name, that's different. But you still got to catch them. That's the battle. The, bat- the first battle is the battle with the fish. Uh, yeah, you move up to the next level. The guys are much better. Everyone kind of knows exactly what to be doing, when to be where, and whatnot. But, you know, I think it's definitely one of those things where the first year I kind of was just trying to adjust the traveling, the whole sponsors. I didn't really understand as much at first, you know, because I made connections, didn't know them. Showed up to the classic, walked up to Boots. Didn't even know who I was supposed to go talk to. Had no mm-hmm. idea. Now, going into year two, had a much better understanding. I already met most of my sponsors at that point in person at the shows or something. So I had communication already started. It made that aspect a lot easier. Still, it's you know it's a constant work in progress trying to improve, make all the social media stuff better, all the content better and whatnot. But like the mm-hmm. partnerships were there. You can now grow them. So that definitely helped going into year two. So I set the goal to just try to be more consistent on the water maybe don't take as big of a risk on a tournament and just try to salvage it. And I think there were a couple where that no, I did that, where it was like, okay, just fish is for as good as you can get like Okeechobee. Uh, basically I was like, I just got to go to one area, try to catch a limit. And if I catch the limit, I'll probably be in the hunt. And you know, I just missed a cut to start the year. And that was down at Okeechobee. I was literally like a two pounder away from yeah. the cut. So it was just trying to learn how to be more consistent, call it damage control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You might have mentioned it already, but how long have you been in the elites? Two years, and I'm going on the third. Okay, gotcha. So, second year was a lot better. Um, What What was your favorite tournament this year? Uh, I really liked the Lake Murray one. Just wish we were there a little bit later. Uh, Good news is next year we're there a little bit later. Yep. I think I heard that from quite a few people that fished that tournament. They're like, ah. I didn't have a good tournament. I wish it was a couple weeks later or whatever, a month later. Yeah, I mean, I tried to commit to what the fish were supposed to be doing, which some were. They just weren't on the herring. That's That, that was the whole thing. I was trying to get the herring bite going. There was fish there. Uh, I don't know why, actually, the first day of practice, it was insane. Like, everywhere I went, they were, like, just everywhere, blowing up. Yeah. You see, I had my buddy on, like, FaceTime. I'm like, check this. I'm casting and just cranking them in. I'm like, this is going to be insane. And then all of a sudden, the next day, it just – disappeared and i was like that's weird like it didn't get cold it's still warming up so i just don't think enough fish were there yet schooling there was obviously too many fish were on beds the tournament was for the most part one on bed so that hurt it i just don't think enough mm-hmm. fish were locked on that herring i think we go there maybe three weeks later this year it should be a different story 
I would say about 75 to 90% should now be doing the herring bite. So that's the tournament you're looking forward to the most then? Next, uh, next I, I definitely need a little bit of redemption there. I had some mechanical issues on day three, so I really wasn't – that kind of made it tough. I was in, I think, 20th going into day three. Uh, I had anticipated being able to go out there and catch him pretty good again. Not necessarily enough to catch a top 10, you know, to catch a bag to make the top 10, but you just never knew. You know, if you pulled up to one school of herring and they fired – I think like the first day of practice, I saw 24 pounds. That was one of the biggest bags weight in the tournament. I don't even know. There wasn't many that big of 20 pounds. So yeah. it could happen. So I definitely want to get a little redemption because of that. You know, anytime mm -hmm. you, you have a chance and it kind of gets taken away for uncontrollable reasons, it's like, so you always remember it. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. You mentioned one thing that I, I don't think a lot of people realize anymore just talking about like your transfer from year one with all your sponsors and everybody to your year two mm -hmm. and you mentioned like social media and stuff and i think that's one thing that a lot of people really don't think about because that's a big aspect of your sponsorships now compared mm -hmm. to 10 15 years ago they you know they might have like kevin van dam for example he would do a lose commercial or a you know something like that but now it's they they want you to make posts and push stuff and you have to constantly stay on top of it so that's got to add like an extra level of stress to you guys yeah where yeah. you're not only worried about fishing and prepping for fishing you're worried about oh well i gotta make this post for sims or i've got to yeah. make this post for you know xyz whoever it would be mm -hmm. it's just a, like an extra thing I, I think a lot of people either take that for granted as a as a viewer or really thinking about you know what all you guys kind of have to do you're not just doing it because they give you free stuff like there's reason why you do it yeah i think that that brings like the misconception of like how much goes into it behind the scenes that's not known uh yeah. just to stay on top where we can continually work with these companies you know we we don't want to risk losing an opportunity that we have or a partnership so you know we have to do that social media years ago it was basically it's all for a logo like it's all yep. companies want it you want a logo mm -hmm. on the boat logo on the jersey and yeah, if the company itself made the commercial, and there was very few because not a lot of TV action went on back then, or mm -hmm. always more so take a picture for a magazine. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was about to say print media was huge back then. I remember, I mean, I remember growing up, Brad, I don't know how much fishing you actually watched growing up, but uh, every now and then you'd see it pop up on uh, my dad in my backyard in the 90s and early 2000s had this ginormous satellite dish. It's like five and a half foot <laughs> wide by like, 12 feet off the ground yeah and uh you could flip through there and it's a black and white your guide it just tells you where it's coming from and i would always remember you can get espn and i would click on it like at 9 p.m and it'd be a replay or like fishing talk for half hour mm -hmm. and you'd see stuff and then uh, you know you watch it but now every bassmaster event was on tv this year mm -hmm. even if they're not on tv bassmaster streams it mm -hmm. and all these companies have crazy media following and so. they have cool commercials too like yeah they're well done production yeah. fishing but stepped up it yeah. takes a lot to produce a commercial that's mm -hmm. that's, oh, yeah. that's also another thing like a lot for you know time of recording filming but just individually on that those sponsors to organize that you know Photos and videography is so expensive nowadays. So for a company to put that together, that's a lot, you know, so that that's one of the hardest things now where our industry is transitioning for us. Like they want us to do more social media, uh, promotional stuff, you know, via videos and photos, but like mm -hmm. the same time, like it's very costly. It's very time consuming. Like if you take it to that next level and chose to take it to that next level. Yeah, I know, I know uh, quite a few of, the elites now they're doing youtube and stuff is, is mm -hmm. that something that you do as well mm, i just the most i i'm doing is just videos of the tournaments uh, i'll put together i put them together on my own uh some tournaments i didn't even get a chance to capture footage my gopro overheat like when we were down south uh lay lake the gopro overheated i could not get it on yep. uh, all about that called the tournament director and I, I i said i can't get it working i'm trying i the first 15 minutes of the day i'm messing with it and she's like all right you're good i don't want you to mess with it because like we have to run the gopro we're supposed to run them mm -hmm. for tournament rules but i also use it for footage so i didn't get any footage from lay then we went to sabine similar situation super hot but at least i was under some trees in the shade 
but the port where my GoPro plugged in fried. So oh. I didn't do footage for that one. So after that one, I got that changed, got some footage at uh, St. Clair, got some at Champlain, got some at St. Lawrence. But no, I do not go out and have someone hired. I would love to get to that point, but like I said, that's a very costly expense. And uh, mm -hmm. if anyone out there knows a huge title opportunity that would help contribute to that, I'd be happy to do it. Uh, that <laughs> would know, be cool, man. You know who you can blame for all that? Hmm. I'm sure you talk to him. His name is Scott Martin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the blame. Why Why everyone wants YouTube. There's a guy, uh, me and Brad know him mostly just by name, but uh, it's Scott. He was with us on another fishing company here. He does FLW stuff. And one of his sponsors is now requiring him to make TikTok videos. And this dude's mm. a retired police chief. So he's like in his fifties <laughs> and he put on Facebook, he's like, Hey, and he, well, he put on Facebook, Hey, I have to make TikTok videos. So go like it. And then he messaged me. He's like, Hey, how do you, do you make TikTok videos? I was like, no, <laughs> he's like, you do. I could have assumed you would with everything. Else. I was like, yeah, man, I don't mess with that. Uh, yeah. He's like, well, I saw videos of you and Brad doing, you know, stuff on YouTube. I was like, man, I just, I push a button on my GoPro and I send all the crap to Brad. I don't yeah. edit that stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, I don't know. I'm just awkward on like quick videos. Like that's weird. It's so more consuming. power to you guys. It, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also time consuming. And I got other hobbies like more fishing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the, just to go out and post Like if you, like if I was to create a post for say Instagram and Facebook, they're linked, but then I like have to individually go to TikTok, recreate it. Most of the time you can't even, if you're doing a reel, they don't have the same song sometimes that you're using. Yeah. You got to change it. Same thing when you go to YouTube, if you're going to do a short. So like sometimes you're posting multiple times, but like you're posting the same thing, but you got to tweak little things just to actually get a chance to do it. So, but I didn't know when I first made the release, I did not, did not use TikTok. I actually reached out to one of my college buddies. I said, I need a quick, you know, two minute rundown. What, how do I work this? What am I doing? How do I post? How do I post? What am I saying? And he kind of walked me through it, he told me like hot times to post, a couple things to include for like, you know, to try to reach, you know, a bigger audience and whatnot. But I, it's definitely helped on, you know, some videos, you know, it's hard to find like the consistent, you know, some are good, some are bad, you know, you just never, never know. There's ones I made, I'm like, oh, this video is going to be great. Didn't get that many views. And I make another one, I'm like, that's the dumbest video ever. Gets 15,000 views. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't get it. I've had that same thing. Like I'll post a video of me catching a fish and it's like a 20 inch mm -hmm. smallmouth or something. And then I'll post a video of me dipping a black spinner bait in muddy water. And it just disappears after three inches. And yeah. It gets like 150,000 views. I'm like, yeah. like I had one, I had one I posted <laughs> last year, St. Lawrence. I'm running across the river. I ran through some birds and they shit all over my co or my march. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hit. Like he had it all over him, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, it didn't get me because I got a console. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I gotta go man. look that up now. Yeah, I want to. I want to see that on my TikTok. I think I have it like attached on top. Sweet. I'm gonna go check that out for the show. <laughs> so, all right. So, go ahead. This. Well, I'm gonna say the same thing. You are. This has been awesome, and me and Brad could just talk about your time in the elites the whole time. <laughs> And not talk about any of the reason what the show will be titled. <laughs> it's the new uh, new spinnerbait. So, do we have uh, Brad? Do we have any pictures of it we can put up on the screen? I don't know. It, does he have any on the website? Uh, I doubt it because it's not released. Let's yet. Say it's I not released yet. See how good of a view we can get on it. Yeah, we can put put it full screen real quick. Yeah. So, kind of talk about. It looks so good. So kind of talk a little bit about the behind the scenes. Cause Martin, they make great spinner baits other than that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what drove you guys to make this spinner bait and what's the like major pros with it? So basically like I was looking at, we had the pro series already. We had the Northern Forge series and I kind of said we needed something in the middle, but I ran into a scenario this past year in an elite series tournament. I was like, I need something specific. Whereas that Santa Cooper, fish and cypress trees uh mm. and it's so hard to fish cypress trees efficiently where you almost need to make sure you can make every single cast and never get hung but you gotta hit the tree you can't yep. not hit the tree you get bit when it hits the tree and 
it, you know, the bait reacts to hitting the tree and it, it, it does a certain motion. So the Northern Forest series with the, you know, the hidden weight and the shorter arm, it was getting stuck and it was also kind of, it would, you know, it runs more so down in the water. The pro series was just kind of too large uh, and whatnot, too big of a hook. So that was also catching. So this one that I specifically said we would come up with, the that has the pro series head, the style, it does not have a hidden weight like the Northern Forge. So that was key because that's going to help when you are throwing around. Now it could be cypress trees, it could be laydowns, it could be docks, it could be anything, you know, shallow wood, shallow cover. That's what it's intended for. But when this bait hits a target and deflects, it's going to fall perfectly down. If you had a hidden weight, it actually is going to hit and then fall like this. Mm straight down like yeah. vertical in the water column well this one is going to take a nose dive because all the weight is in the front so that was the key with that and then it was trying to get the right wire uh the northern forage has a 035 wire so that was in my opinion a little bit too thin because i'm looking for this to be skipped to be beat up to throw up underneath overhang so we went with the 037 on this one so a little bit thicker which was good because that helped you know around the cover that it's going to be intended for and then it was just a no-brainer with the blades your perfect shallow dirty water dingy water but also you can still use in some cleaner applications having one colorado and one willow leaf that colorado is there for the extra vibration going to have one with an orange blade which is going to be great and a phenomenal bait for muddy water uh, and like i said the biggest thing with this so one differentiation it from the pro series the hook is a size smaller and it's a different brand. So it's actually almost like, to me, I want to say it's like a size and a half smaller. This is an owner hook in this one. Mm. So it's an owner for the best, pro series best hooks has, out there. Yeah. The pro series has a five odd in it. So the hook got smaller, which was great, making the bait a little bit more compact, still a good size bait. But then we also brought the arm down longer to where actually, if you were to crush this together, the arm is actually just protecting the tip of the hook, which is mm. going to give you that added bonus when you're going to hit a piece of cover, when it's going to deflect over a piece of cover. Now, this is not going to be a spinnerbait that I'm going to go burn through grass. That's the perfect you know, scenario for the Northern Forest Series, where mm -hmm. you have a hidden weight, where you have the hook extended farther past the wire. This mm -hmm. one's going to be more so for deflecting off all sorts of cover and whatnot. Yeah, so you're you're not going to be throwing that that one on the northern swing then it sounds like. No, unless we end up going to maybe Minnesota and fish a largemouth lake and mm -hmm. actually fish some cover, but open water smallmouth generally going to only use the northern forage series uh depending on where we're at. Lake Champlain special is a great color for Champlain. St. Lawrence River special is great for the St. Lawrence River like they're it's in the name like those I was are the say, colors for almost... those places. It's almost like they named it for that. <laughs> Someone came up with that idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. I well, uh, no, go Brad, ahead. Keep doing it. Okay. Me and Brad were talking about it. the only thing I want to so A, I've seen them. The spinnerbaits look awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and me and Brad were talking about earlier. I, I was completely wrong because I was like, man, it looks like a, just the pictures. Yeah, it looks like a really thin wire. And I'm I'm a JDM guy. I've got tons of jdm crap and every jdm and i'm not talking about like the mega bass us versions because those are super thick gauge mm -hmm. wire and they're not bad i just don't love throwing them anymore uh but those thin wires i've been in a thin wire mood but i've also like watched my thin wires like bend in half and be stupid so yeah. i'm kind of like this a point thirty zero thirty seven is in my opinion it's one of the can't remember the other brand that used uses that I haven't heard a lot of people use that size wire, but there's one many else I did, but it's perfect because it's just small enough to where it's not like ginormous, mm -hmm. but it's thick enough to where you can hit it off crap. You can skip it up against to a pylon and hit the pylon. Uh, when yeah. I not paying attention, I cast it right out of the bridge abundant and I hit it at the bridge 40 feet up. It's not going to like explode. So, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that was the biggest thing because like, this is a bait that I'm going to skip a lot. Like I know some people I, I've actually had people like, think that's crazy that i skip a spinnerbait i yeah I, I thought i didn't i thought that was weird that people thought that i just thought that was a common thing i've been skipping a spinnerbait for years and i actually had people on my boat and they're like you skip that thing and i'm like yeah like that's 
I've done it my whole life. Like, I, <laughs> especially in college, I went, I was on a river. Like everything we did was skip. We never cast it. We either flipped and pitched or we skipped. So having the bait that you can perfectly put in certain areas was key, but it's all about beating it up. Like I'm going to put the bait through the ringer. It's going to hit a lot of cover. It's going to bounce off a lot of cover. And then when it gets bites, it's, it ain't going to be finessing them to the boat. It's going to crank them in fast. As I can mostly flip them into mm-hmm. the boat. So that was the key, getting it right, you know, differentiating between the wire sizes and whatnot. And, you know, I'm happy with the way it came out. I think last week when I took it out, caught over 20 fish on one of them, and there was, like, no chips or paint marks or any bends to it at all. Like, it was still almost like it came just out the package. I honestly wish I had one in the package with me where I could have just put them side by side because they would have looked identical still after hmm. catching 20 fish. And I, I watched someone's video the other day. They're talking about spinner baits and they were like, yeah, you can only catch five fish on that one, but that's a great one. And I'm like, only five fish on a spinner bait is not that good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been there, dealt with that. And I was, I've been that guy who said, Oh yeah, I only caught seven fish, but it was awesome. <laughs> you know, and then I'm going out and buying another $15 spinner bait. So yeah, catching 20 and it still looks brand new. Yeah. yeah I'm about that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of uh skipping a spinnerbait either i don't think that's what we do in ohio no i don't i don't i'm not, not like i've tried and i've vowed never to do it again like it's it's i can skip i mean I, on the river i'm the same way like they'll brad can skip and do stuff pretty yeah, consistently i'm about to say well that's still i mean well okay it's a fluke but he'll skip like a fluke or he'll be the he'll cast in the stuff and i got real good at skipping a jig all last year Mm-hmm. So I just I I skip everything I can now. Like I I can skip a six inch trace. Uh, I can skip everything. And I tried. It was the other day. I was bank fishing. So I was like, I'm just gonna skip. I don't want to throw something in a tree or something. So I like try to skip this spinner bait. And I watched my reel uh, pull apocalypse now. Like when they got attacked and it just exploded. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm never doing this again. You probably this need is- to get one of those arc gravity reels. You wouldn't have that problem. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is that? So that's one of my sponsors, Arc, uh, okay. and Real Sponsor. They actually just came out with their first uh, line of reels and baitcasters last year. So last year's iCast. This year at iCast, they came out with a spinning reel. So I've been I, using. I, using I miss that. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, the BFS reel. They do. They actually came out with one of those this iCast. So it'll be out sometime in November, December. It looks pretty cool. I, I'd have to find something to throw it on. I'm not like too up on that style of fishing, but I'm definitely curious to try it. Like I thought right away, I was awesome. like, I was like, I'm gonna throw a spy bait on that thing, and we're gonna make it work because I hate throwing a spy bait on a spinning rod. I really do. <laughs> no, I've it's, never tried. It's, I've never thrown one of those. Dude, I, I throw I throw Ned rigs on a BFS re- re- reel. I, so I the last the net, last Ned rig I threw on a spinnerbait rod is uh, Z Man. Me and Brad are on their me- media team for them, so they sent me the new Tennessee rod. Me and Brad. So I was throwing that, and I was like, "Oh man, this is really good." And I was putting it in. I have a Yak Rods box that goes on top of my truck, so I can keep all my rods. And I was looking at that and the BFS rod, and I was like, "Man, this spinning rod's great," but I just like BFS. I can throw a tenth ounce Ned rig a country mile on yeah. casting and it's great. It's just, it's just so much better. <laughs> it just really is like, I, I'm, one curious. Of our... I'm curious to try it. I definitely am looking forward to getting my hands on that just to see like the differences. I've never had one of those reels and Dude, just to compare so cool. it. Those That's, are cool looking reels. It is. It's a cool. So the body, at least I'm looking at the BFS one. Let's see if they all look like that. So the body very similar on all of them. It, okay, so yeah, it has that. It's it's kind of like got that funky swoop on the brake side that opens up that front, so that line's gonna skip out of there real nice and easy. Hmm. These are sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. And, I've never even heard of those. That's, that's cool. And they're light. Yeah, super light. Twelve bearings. Yeah, I've never heard of these either. See, they, now- they are by far like the farthest casting bait cast I've ever seen. Actually, I was on the phone with my buddy. Couple of days ago, and he he just wrapped up the last open. He's fishing all nine, uh, so I think he was trying to just post up somewhere until the next one down in Florida. So him and another competitor that he fishes against were they went fishing somewhere, and I guess they were in a boat. And he goes like, "Watch this!" And he casted like a top water out, and it like took the entire spool. And the kid that was with him was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome!" <laughs> yeah, that always scares me though, because I. 
I, I do that with my uh, Bantam because they don't hold much line. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I throwing throwing lures just has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but I don't care. This is great. I love it. We're just talking and it's awesome. The last couple shows have been really good, but the, we've like stayed on topic the whole show. And I like rabbit holes and because you can just talk about stuff and it's great. Dang, everyone else, I about it, dude. But I dude, I just love having those bomb, especially like I mean, we've all been fishing long enough to where we can all pick. I could pick up probably any bait caster, except I did have a problem with a casking a couple weeks ago because they suck. Sorry, people. I just don't <laughs> like them. It's just me, maybe, but I blew it up. Um, oh, but uh, I, when you get that bomb cast, you throw it and you can watch all your line leave and it's not overrunning. It's just like the perfect mm-hmm. cast. That is like Christmas morning. I, <laughs> even if I don't catch a fish on it and I'm just doing it to do it, it's just fun. Like I'll just stop and I'll just I'll just try to bomb a cast just to watch all the line leave and then reel in two hundred yards of twelve pound. That's yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, did did we hit everything on the uh, spinnerbait? Uh, do you have a uh, do you have one of the orange blade ones? I have a picture of it, but yeah, it looks somewhere. I'll say it's the chartreuse. At least the one I've got, chartreuse with the orange blade. Is that his boat in the background? Yeah. I well, I would assume because there's like a forty five thousand dollar motor on it. So yeah. yeah, I can see it sticking up. That's cool. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the old Mercury Pro XS. I want to. Uh, I want to know what colors these spinner baits come come in. Josh or not Josh? Zach, send us pictures. We've yeah, that's them. a good color right there. It looks so good. I saw the picture and it looks. It I don't know. It that orange blade is gonna be. I think perfect for that muddy water stuff mm-hmm. yeah so that that has a gold blade on it perfect color scheme on this skirt and that's that's the like in my eyes when you're fishing muddy water i might be biased saying it but like there's no other color to throw than a chartreuse and white with an orange kicker like mm-hmm. you can get technical you can throw 24 strands of skirt you could throw 48 strands you could throw this color and that color but in the end it's dirty water like throw something bright make them react Put something in their face and that's where i look at it yeah D- does he uh put colorado blades or anything on those uh if you were doing for like down here yeah uh this so this was like the design that i was you know kind of focusing on was a colorado mm-hmm. and a willow so that's what i think we're starting out with i'm sure there's definitely going to be a chance you can get those uh i know to to start i think there's going to be five or six colors and they're all going to be Colorado willow. Nice. That's cool. I mean, that's still Colorado known as the thumper, big Colorado known as the thumper. Yeah. I I have one spinner bait. It's made by a custom company. It's, it's like a two inch Colorado blade on the back. Mm -hmm. It's huge. (laughs) I don't know. I like, I like having, the one Colorado and the willow blade on my spinner baits. I like double willows too. But. Mm. Yeah. The only time I really throw the double Colorado or a single is when it's really cold. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's very few applications. I feel like that, that truly applies to, I know there are, you know, some guys are going to throw a double Colorado all the time, but it, th- that that's just going to run so high in the water column. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, yeah, if you're ca- casting around cover, it's great. But if you were to just fish this, you, if you wanted to just take this and fish this spinnerbait open water, you still can the way it is. If you double Colorado it up, you're only going to be reeling it like that far below the surface. Like it's going to keep wanting to come up and up and up with that big blade on it. But having the willow, it's going to be able to actually let it go down and whatnot. Yeah, you can fish them a lot slow rolling or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. A lot easier. But yeah, yeah. I'll say you can take the bottom a lot. I mean, that's what Jeff Little. Was it Jeff Little? I think it was. Pretty sure he put a video out where he was up on the Susky, and he used to get those big smallmouth to bite when it's a little colder. They're finicky. He'll throw a spinnerbait out there, let it sink all the way, and just slow roll it to where that bottom blade's ticking. Mm -hmm. I remember, Brad, you're the one told me about it because you're like, yeah, I did that next time I went out, and you sent me pictures, and you're like, I've got to do that now. Now all my spinnerbaits look like they got them out of the trash behind uh, Cabela's. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which that actually brought up another point like this new this knee knocker. You set all the weights in the head. Does that help deflect rocks off rocks easier? I would say so, you know, because it's going to be the it's the same scenario of when it hits a stump, a lay down, mm-hmm. uh, a dock post. When it hits, it's going to 
take that that dive. So as soon as you get slack in it, it's going to dive just like that. It's not going to hit and then fall this way. It's going to dive perfectly mm. nose down. And I think that's just a key. A lot of times for getting bites, you know, if you're put it this way, if you're fishing current and there's a rock there, you're reeling the bait past coming towards the rock and the rocks right here and the fish is going to be sitting behind the rock behind the current it's going to hit the rock and it's going to go over the rock down to where the fish is if it didn't do that the fish might never see it might never react to it mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing i feel like with that type of spinnerbait in those applications is getting it to dive once it deflects off cover and that was the biggest thing for me you know when when i first you know called steve about this to talk about it I was ripping the Northern Forge series apart, the Pro Series, putting certain blades on certain ones just to try, like, to see if I can make something out of the two of them combined, just to try to get, like, the perfect idea going forward. And the biggest thing, you know, with the Northern Forge, with that combination was, one, the, the arm was too small for the application, but I was bypassing that. I was just trying to see how it would, you know, hit the piece of cover and deflect. And for me, I thought that, it wasn't hitting it right and deflecting for that type of application. So I was like, well, we need to try to make this all the weight in the head. So that was like number one, get the head right. Then the arm, then the blade combinations, et cetera. Sounds like it might be a good option for our river here. Like me and Matt are both river rats. We love smallmouth. Mm -hmm. So, and it sounds like the baits compact too. So that's even better. Yeah, it's a decent size. It's not as small as the Northern Forge series. Like if I was to say, it's like almost right in between the Pro series and the Northern Forge series. It's like the perfect medium. The Pro series is the smallest, right? No, that's the biggest. Okay, which one's the smallest one? The Northern, Northern. Forge. Okay, I think that's the ones we got in the box last year, wasn't it? Yep, it's been tied on to my rod. That So that spinnerbait and then the... Uh, Oh, Brad. War Eagle? Mm, no. No. I have one of those, like, right here. But that's just because it's been on my desk for, like, a year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jigmasters. The Jigmasters spinnerbaits. Oh, yeah. I flip between those two, and I always end up going back. Like, that, that the Northern Forge is still on my rod right now. I just mm -hmm. looked at it today. I was like, I'm going to throw that on Sunday. Because it's that time, man. It's that yeah. time. Yeah, I'll grab it to explain it to yeah. you. The last last float me and Matt went down the river, I ended up catching a couple on that uh, Martin spinner bait. Caught a catfish, too, right off of a rock. Smacked it on a rock. He just destroyed it. You catch catfish on anything. I mean, <laughs> I catch them on – I mean, I caught – well, I caught my – was it the – was the 20 – what, my 20-inch day the last time we went on a float? Yeah. Yeah, because so. that's the – yeah, that's been like a month. Nah. Um, more than that, two months. Candy. But – So as you can see – this is the pro series in this hand mm -hmm. and this is the Northern forward. You can kind of see right away the size. Oh yeah. Them. Oh yeah. Way bigger. So this one's beat up cause it's caught a lot of smallmouth. St. Lawrence River special, by the way. Uh, <laughs> they like that chartreuse, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anytime you got some clouds, it's the perfect color. The Northern forge was the one that I was talking about with the hidden weight. Mm -hmm. It's also got the smaller arm. So this one for me, I like fishing with in grass in like burning it you can keep this bait it has a good balance you could actually reel it faster you know like anytime you try to burn just a regular spinner bait of any sort it's gonna blow out some and it's not the spinner bait's fault it's just not necessarily built to handle those capabilities all the time mm -hmm. this one will not do that you can burn this one as fast as you can you won't have that problem because of that hidden weight and it's a perfect compact size i feel like for fishing around grass it gets through it easily the Pro Series, on the other hand, is a big profile. This one does not have the hidden weight, so it's similar in build in the way it looks to the knee knocker, but the adjustments are going to be the wire size is a little bit longer on the knee knocker just to overcome that hook, like I had discussed. Mm -hmm. But yeah. the hook got smaller on the knee knocker, so the bait itself went like that on the mm -hmm. knee knocker versus this one. I'm excited. So the knee knockers, my... it's kind of it's in between the – the pro series and then yeah. the northern forge it's so it's i mean it's the perfect lineup now i see you got a paddle tail on there i am a no trailer guy are you saying you're a trailer guy for your standards always a trailer guy really i don't it, that's a lot better if you put the right trailer on <laughs> did you what'd you say skips i said you could skip them a lot better if you put I, the right I was trailer. gonna say that 
Yeah. That's yeah. probably why my skip blew up. Cause I don't, I mean, well, that's not why it's spinner bait and I can't skip them yet. <laughs> yeah. But see now, because you're telling it, I'm going to do it. And then once I get it, I'm just going to take a video. I'm just going like, to send it to you and be like, okay. I wouldn't skip with that on. It's a little big. I just, I was playing with some things are just over on like the little table where I play with some baits. So this one I was just putting on to see how it fit profile. Like this one, I would throw like deep. This would be a deep style of a spinnerbait. One that I'd crawl on the bottom, like you were saying, and you'd have that tail to kick. Generally, I throw the zoom uh, double, the, the split tail. That split tail grub? Awesome. Yeah. This, not, not the grub, but just a split tail. It's like a spinnerbait trailer. Don't skip no, that okay. one. That one I kind of just, you know, fish open water uh, around cover, but just not skipping. If I'm skipping, I'm typically throwing a fat Albert. Oh, yeah. I just think that it's got weight to it, and it's, you know, a solid piece on the bottom, which is going to be the part that skips like when it hits water and I never found the tail to really hang up. And I just think that's a good tail just around those types of cover when the bait's going to dive and whatnot, when it deflects, just having that extra tail twirling as it goes down. Sweet. Yeah. I, I sure. love me a spinner bait bite, man. Now, now I want to go out and throw one. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing one on. So we got a float plane on this coming Sunday. I'm throwing a spinner bait. That's definitely going to be tied on. I mean, summer, I don't know. In your situation, you might see them pop up a little bit more depending on where you're at in the country. But for us, the spinnerbait, unless it's like super muddy, it's not a super good bite. But I did have one day where the spinnerbait shouldn't have worked and it worked great. Caught like eight fish. It was awesome. Oh, it's great. I think there's always a scenario to throw it. Maybe not if it's like 100 degrees, dead slick calm. Yeah. But, but then again, depends on the location. If you're on a river, you're still going to catch them on it. But I think there are a lot of scenarios that it can be utilized. And I, I have one on pretty religiously in the box. Even like I, when we were up north, I still had one on. Uh, it was just a matter of that really wasn't a bite that was happening. We were mm -hmm. more so offshore, live scoping, and just searching for them. So you always hear people say when it's super windy out, throw the spinnerbait. And I always do, but I never have luck. Mm. What am I doing wrong? Well... <laughs> I think there comes to a point where you can't fish an area that's too, too windy. I think it gets to a point where it actually like blows it out too much. I think mm -hmm. people think like people think there's like, Oh, there's four footers crash on that shore. Let's go fish the windy bank. I, I mean, I don't want to go fish a four foot crash <laughs> wave bank. I mean, you can try it. Like I, I did it a few weeks ago. <laughs> I would say the problem with that, the fish might be there, but your presentation is not going to be right. I mean, yeah. You got to think of it. If those waves are like that, your boat's going up. Do you really think your bait ever gets anywhere near the fish? Th that's some of the like the biggest, I think, challenges a lot of anglers face and where they kind of get discouraged. Uh, even though you might make the right decision, you just might not have presented it to them in that right area that you chose. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's the same thing like we fish a tournament. I go down a stretch and a couple of minutes later, someone goes on the stream, same stretch and catches one. He just might have presented it different than I did or a different bait. So it's, it's a learning process for sure. And that's the hardest thing because you fail, but you have to realize that you failed, but you might actually learn something from failing it. That's true. And that, that kind of reminds me of uh, watching some of these guys using their uh, forward facing sonar out in the open and stuff like these crazy waves on, on the St. Lawrence river for the last tournament. It, I don't know how they do it. Like, mm -hmm. how are you working your bait with like, going up and down these waves like that? That's crazy to me. It's it's a little bit easier when you're live scoping for smallmouth with a drop shot, like a half ounce weight, than trying to throw a moving bait. Uh, Champlain was a little bit tougher because, you know, guys were catching them on some swim baits. Guys were catching them on Damiki rigs. It wasn't as, like, straight cut and dry with a drop shot at Champlain. I know St. Lawrence is more drop shot and head rig, uh, but it's just what the fish feed on. One was a place where they feed on Atwai more. The other one was a place where they feed on Gobi more. So that kind of changed what the fish bite, but it was definitely a lot more challenging at Champlain to try to get them to eat, you know, the Damiki or a swim bait because of how rough it was, the conditions, mm -hmm. like you would see some fish and you would try to like cast over where they were. You'd come up and down on a wave. You try to start reeling or whatever you were doing with the bait you were using then you realize you either missed them. And then by the time you got it into recovery, you either couldn't or that next cast, like, cause you're trying to throw beyond them sometimes with a swim bait. And by the time you get to them, they could move drop shot. It's like you drop it right close to them. They follow it down and it's, they eat it. 
So that yeah. kind of made it a little different for each one. I liked the style of Champlain. I just wish it could have been a little bit calmer when we were there to like yeah. really exploit the bite. So are you a large mouth or a small mouth guy? Or both. Gonna, both. We got to do it all. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I was, I was going to say, he's he's whatever puts the money. Yeah, if it's spotted bass <laughs> involved, I'm a spotted bass fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, like me and Matt, we prefer catching smallmouth. That's, but we're not chasing the money. But it's yeah, it's I also mean, because we're used to Ohio and northern largemouth, to where it's like catching a little bit more rambunctious walleye. So it's like a wet towel that likes to move a little bit more. Southern. I was in North Carolina for five years at the Marine Corps. I caught some southern largies. They can be pretty ferocious, but up here you catch a largemouth, they'll fight real good for about. 10 seconds and then they're just like you know what man i'm done yeah. it's it's great it's like the browns it's awesome <laughs> that's funny I mean, man i like to catch i like to i'm a smallmouth fisherman when it comes to catching them on like a little bit different stuff not just a drop shot not just a net ray if you go to bait cast in your hand and crack on a few uh whether it's a jig or a carolina rig spinner bait even bladed jig it's all another great smallmouth bite so i like those styles i know the more and more we utilize forward-facing sonar, we find ourselves using a drop shot and a Mickey rig a lot more. But it just—it's fun when you get on those, you know, those bait caster style smallmouth fishing. Day one at St. Lawrence, made a mistake. I stayed in the river and caught all my fish on a Carolina rig, uh, but I just happened to lose a few that cost me, and that made my decision to stay in the river horrible. You know, I had a terrible day one. Day two, I sent it and had giant bag. Should have did it on day one, but I didn't. But hmm. on day two, I went out there, caught him on a drop shot. So <laughs> just different style I, of fishing. I know, I know we're gonna be beating a dead horse, but what do you think about forward facing sonar? That's I was literally getting ready to ask. <laughs> with you being a like you've been doing this for two two seasons. I was watching what was it? It was a northern swing tournament. Uh it was a couple weeks or months, like a month ago, two months ago. Can't remember what it was, and I can't remember the guy's name. He runs all the media, and then he does the Bassmaster like live when it comes off TV. It's him, and like he'll have a pro on or something. And he just took yes, he took a solid ten minutes to just take the biggest dump he could on live scope. <laughs> and I was like, I, I posted, I think it was on Twitter or something because I don't ever use it. No, it was on TikTok. No, it wasn't. It was on something that I have a different name, so no one knows who I am. Uh, and, and I, I said, I was like, man, I, you want to take it to a back room, just beat it up by yourself. You can. But I just don't understand the hate. And another guy, I can't. he's been doing it forever. He was like, yeah, I just can't understand it. And I was like, well, that sounds like a you problem. Man. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. I mean, it, it's easy. I, I don't know. So what are you, what are your thoughts of it using as like a tool to help you win this, these tournaments? I mean, I'm all for it. I think it's revolution revolutionized the game. Um, I'm for it in the sense of, I think it's just part of our fishing. It's part of our arsenal. It's part of like tool, the tools that make up the job that we do. Uh, there's so many careers out there. If you were to take away the tools that people use for those careers, does that sound right? No, I, I think yeah. that it has its purpose and it's been around long enough where you can't really knock someone for using it because it's such a useful tool. But I, I, I really don't like the negative and bad comments you hear on it because I, I hear some ridiculous ones. Mm -hmm. Like I hear ones that say it's not fair. All these younger guys are only catching fish on live scope. How is it not fair? Like everyone has a chance to use it. Yeah. And my take is if you're going to say it's unfair for me to use live scope, how is it fair for me to go fish against a guy who's fished for 25 years on a pro tour? Like if yeah. you want to come, if you want to say things aren't fair, well, he's got a lot more knowledge than I have. He's got a lot more experience than I have. There's no way for me to ever catch him. I'm too young. He was born before me. He started <laughs> earlier if he's got 25 years of experience, I'll never catch him. When I get to 25, he's going to have 50. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's my take when people say it's unfair. Because I don't think it's unfair. Everyone has an opportunity. Now, I will say it is unfair if someone has many live scopes. There are some anglers that ran four or five 
yeah. on their boat. That's crazy. I would like to see us have a limit where the whole playing field is even. Uh, I fished next to one of the tournament winners. He had a lot more live scopes than I did. I still caught fish, but I saw him catch fish, and I was like, I would have never been able to find that fish. Mm-hmm. Like, just the, the angles he had where I'm constantly looking, and he's just – and he's seeing everywhere. And I'm just like – like, See? it opened my eyes because I didn't realize, like, his system was set where he was not only seeing what was in front of him, but he was seeing here, 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 here. He was seeing there, there, and there all at one time. He could basically see Jeez. the front one also, he, of the boat. He had a 180-degree view of everything from him. That's great. And I knew that he ran multiple. I just didn't know that it was like that's what his view yeah. was. And then I'm thinking like, man, like the amount that I missed just going like this, like I can't imagine how many I truly missed if I saw the whole thing the entire way. So – for me, That's I would, would not be opposed to seeing a limitation on it, on the transducer mounts, but I believe it's here to stay. I think it's part of it. I think there's a lot of other things you can make an argument to take away that give us an advantage. I mean, for one, me personally, I think the integration of mapping is way more advanced than a live scope. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, guys go and utilize the live scope, but how do they find that spot? They looked on a map. They drove yeah. to that spot because they picked it off on a map and they might not have caught or found the fish on the exact point they drove to, but they went a couple hundred yards left, a couple hundred yards right, and they caught them there. The mapping has improved so much that it, it's it's crazy how specific, like you can literally just look at a map, the Lorance map, the Navionics, Humberd is incredible too. Every mapping nowadays is insane where like we have such an advantage before we even before we even go to a body of water that we never even been to. So I think that's one of the biggest tools that really started getting anglers to find fish a lot easier. The live scope was just an addition to that. Yeah. I agree with that. Can't believe he had that many like I didn't know that. I I, I, I assumed I assumed yeah. like might be some guy might be running two, but I mean to be able to see 180 in front, he's probably running like three or four between three and five like, lives at that point there's no need for uh, side scan well some guys are running side scan at their uh the back of the boat like when we're at saint Clair, they want to practice like i'm fishing around and find a little school here an hour later i find a little school over there two hours later i find a little school over there in 20 minutes the guy that was idling just found three of those schools and about eight more mm. Cause he was just looking, idling, see a couple dots, mark them, see a couple dots, mark them. Do that on a whole day. If you find 20 areas at the end of the day for an hour or two, go back, drop your trail motor right where they were. Even if you found 20 and 10 of them actually held bass, you found 10 schools of bass. I found two or three in a whole day of just trolling around. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. My eyes were open in this northern thing. I was like, wow, I'm behind <laughs> on some things. And it's not the fishing aspect. It's the it's the technology part. And I'm a younger angler. <laughs> it, yeah. That makes me I mean, want to get out there and do it, though, just to, just to try. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do. They haven't said. I know a lot of opinions were voiced. Things were brought up. Um, I think we'll know. I would hope by the end of this october you know we gotta yeah. start getting the boats ready and whatnot yeah better better to know earlier than later that's for sure yeah just to know like what we can and can't put on you know that's that could be a big thing you know do i gotta pull stuff off the boat do i gotta put more things you know on in a certain way rearrange things so it's just kind of figuring that out and whatnot yeah yeah well, that's cool man but, but uh, yeah, I enjoy the forward facing sonar. I think it's fun. Like, and that's the hard part. Like, I think a lot of people who kind of knock it just never use it, don't really have it, or don't know how to use it. They've never used it yeah. because I had it for. So I was that kayak angler who was bougie, and I had an XI three on the front of my boat on my kayak, and then I had uh, Panoptics when it like when it first came out, mostly because I got it at a stupid deal, mm-hmm. uh, and it was fun. Like even it's just small fish, just like being able to point it at it, see the fish, throw a bait, watch them come down and nose up on it, hit it, hook them, and then catch them all the way back. It's awesome. Yeah. It's now it's fun. Now I did get rid of it because I got way too zoned in on fish. 
uh, if they wouldn't eat, I would like try to force feed them everything I had to mm -hmm. the, to the, the one step when I just like, I have to leave before I do this, before I, uh, just straight up foul hook them just to get them in the boat, just to say I'm better than the fish. But, uh, <laughs> so, but it's just fun. Most of the people I think that talk and that's not all of them, but 99% of them, I just don't think they've ever used it because I think that mm -hmm. they used it, they would change their mind pretty quick. Cause if you're fun fishing, it's fun. If you're fishing for money, it's stupid to not want to use it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's so useful. I mean, like the weights have gone up in our tournaments and it's, it's part of live scope. Yeah. You want to see 80 pounds. You caught at the St. Lawrence river. Do you want to see 105? Uh, yeah. It's not that the anglers necessarily got better in a sense. I mean, yeah, a lot of anglers are getting better and better every year. Equipment type, you know, all the stuff that goes into is getting better. Uh, but it's the technology, you know, it's allowing, certain guys to hone in on fish and catch more fish in a day. You know, your odds are higher to catch all five pounders or at least catch five of them by the end of the day. Where in the past you were kind of doing it blind. You know, if you caught 20 fish in the past without live scope, it's a great day, but you probably had a chance at 40 or 50 and just never even knew. You just mm -hmm. didn't know how close you were to them. Yeah. What was there like three or four guys that hit the century belt at St. Lawrence? I think four did this year. That's crazy, man. Like, I don't, I don't think that would have happened if they didn't have the forward-facing sonar. Mm -mm. No, yep. it's it. The, the whole, the whole total weight all the way down the field has gone up. Like, mm -hmm. I think now it takes forty. I had forty pounds, and I just missed a cut. I think I needed forty pounds, eleven ounces to have made it. You know, years ago. 16 17 probably would have made it in and it's just because everyone is having an opportunity to catch more fish in a day mm -hmm. so you have the opportunity of catching more you're going to catch you're going to have a chance of catching more better yeah. quality yeah for sure so well i'm against it <laughs> yeah this has been a fun show man but like always we got to end it somehow mm -hmm. so so uh I was going to say, John, let everyone know where they can find you social media wise, things along those lines, kind of shout yourself out a little bit. Yeah. So all my social media pages, you can you know look up Jonathan Kelly fishing, uh, JTK fishing is what I also go by on my like Instagram page, but Jonathan Kelly fishing should pull, you know, into my profiles on any of them. And then the bait we talked about, it's coming out very, very soon. Uh, in October, I think it was October 16th is the mm. release. Uh, so it will be available, martinscustombaits.com. And you guys are definitely going to want to pick these up, get to the water, and see what they're all about because they are something special. And I'm proud to say that I was part of working on that with Steve, and I really appreciate him giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, good. So that means go catch some fish on that spinnerbait and everybody tag John. On yeah, absolutely. We'll see what you can catch. <laughs> but All right, man. What's that? Go skip it around. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to uh, try. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. It's been fun. Uh, good luck on your season next year. I know I'll be rooting for you. So, uh, Absolutely. Sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, anything else, Matt? N no. No, that's – I no. <laughs> I've got nothing else. Uh, John, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, hopefully season just explodes. You have a great one, and we can get you back on here to talk about some – some Hopefully me winning one. That would that, be cool. That's yeah, that'd be sick. Uh, yeah. So get you a blue that'd be trophy. Dope. I'm down for that. We could put it like right here, like right there on the shelf <laughs> or something in the video. Just hang it from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just so it's that, always in view. Fan right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, guys. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Peace.